0: Okay, our memory verse for this week has to do with our lesson today, and you will all love me to death because it's very short. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Do you think you can get that one? Who is the new covenant community? The church. And that's something that's really important for us to understand is that every covenant, has a covenant community. God makes a covenant with his righteous servant and with the community that descends from that servant. So let's go back over this. Um, God made a covenant with Noah, right? And with the community that was with him, which is his wife his sons, his sons' wives, all of their descendants, as well as the animals, okay? And so God made a covenant with all of humanity and all of the animals that he would never again bring a flood upon the earth, but that the earth would function consistently with seasons, all right? And then he made the Abrahamic covenant, and he made this covenant with Abraham and who? His seed. And so who is the Abrahamic covenant made with? It was made with his uh, seed, notably Isaac, not Ishmael, Jacob, not Esau, and then all of the descendants of Jacob. Okay, so the covenant community were those who descended from Abraham through Isaac, through Jacob, and then all the descendants of Jacob. And of course, within that community, there was two seeds, wasn't there? There was those who shared not only Abraham's blood, but also Abraham's faith. And then there were those who just shared Abraham's blood. Okay. So then the old covenant came along and the old covenant was made with the uh, descendants of Jacob. Um, and, uh, and it was um, uh, the, the bilateral covenant. Uh, between Israel and God, in which Israel would keep God's law, and God would pour out blessing upon them. And so there was a covenant made with a community of people, and that community of people was defined as those who were uh, in the Abrahamic covenant and who um, were committed to keeping God's law. All right, And then along comes the new, uh, the Davidic covenant, and God made a covenant with David, and with his sons and ultimately his ultimate son, who was the Lord Jesus. Okay. So we're not in the Davidic covenant. Davidic covenant was very narrow. Okay. Now we're the recipients of the blessings of that covenant, but that covenant was made with David and his son, in particular Solomon and the sons that flowed out of Solomon. um, And then ultimately, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that covenant community is very narrow. And uh, so it's David and his sons. And then we have the new covenant and the new covenant of course was made with and through the Lord Jesus and the covenant community that flowed out of him. Those who were born of Jesus and who's born of Jesus, but born again, Christians. So the new covenant community then is not all of humanity and the animals. It's not genetic descendants of Abraham. It's not those who have committed to keeping the law of God. It is with those who are born of the covenant community head, who is the Lord Jesus Christ, whether Jew or Gentile. But the animals aren't included, right? And it's not restricted Uh, whosoever will may come into the community. Uh, But of course, only those who will do so are those who God effectually calls his elect. So the point is, is that the implementation of the new covenant in this age is through the local church. The local church is the visible new covenant community. If you wanted to find the old covenant community, where would you find them? You'd find them in the land of Israel. You'd find them as being Jews. You'd find them as people who were circumcised. Okay? How do you find the New Covenant community? Who are they? Uh, Well, they are all of those who are marked by faith in Jesus Christ. And as a result of that faith, have become disciples of Christ and therefore are baptized and congregated into his churches. So, That's the fundamental teaching of our chapter, chapter 14, that we're launching into today. Now, in our previous study, we've looked at the New Covenant and we've seen the terms and the blessings of the New Covenant. And today, what we want to do is we want to look at um, the ongoing fulfillment and expression of that New Covenant in the life of the New Covenant community. And so... Um, I guess I forgot to tell you to turn the tape on, didn't I? That's all right. It's all on the other one, God willing um, because we prayed first, didn't we? And then we did the verse did did i get did I get things bowed up? Yeah, right. Yeah, well, my fault I didn't communicate. I'm sorry, okay, so the point is is that as as we come into the new covenant we see that it's the fulfillment of the promises of the Old Testament, especially those proclaimed to Abraham and to David. And so we see that uh, in in many um, New Testament passages where the New Covenant and the New Covenant community are said to be the fulfillment of the promises to Abraham and to David. And we saw that especially in Luke chapter 1. So what we want to talk about today then is Who is in the new covenant and what does the new covenant community look like and how does it function? Now, the answer to the question of who are the recipients of the new covenant and its blessings is the recipients are believers and their spiritual children. Now, it's very important that that word spiritual be placed in there because we see that the recipient of Old Covenant promises were Jews and their children. And so all you had to do to be in the Old Covenant is to be born of Jewish parents and be circumcised on the eighth day if you were a male and you were in. You didn't have to be saved. If you wanted to say, okay, who's in the old covenant community? You would look for people with Jewish blood and, 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 and males who had been circumcised. And that was the covenant community. That's how it was defined. Some of them were saved and some of them weren't. But salvation was not the, and faith was not the requirement for being in the community. And that's why, of course, the community was such a mess because it was a mixed multitude, some of whom were saved and some of whom weren't. And when there was a national revival and a large number of people got saved, the nation straightened up its life and its behavior. And then when the false prophets came and apostasy occurred and the number of saved people diminished, uh, at one point it got to the point where out of the millions in Israel in the old covenant community, there was only 7,000 that hadn't bowed the knee to Baal which is a tiny minority of truly saved people in that larger covenant community. And that's, of course, why they went apostate, and that's why they went into captivity. Well, we come now to the new covenant community, and and how is it made up? Well, it's made up of Jews who are born of Jesus Christ, and that's why they're Jews. Jesus was a Jew, right? Okay. And that's why it says in Galatians 3:29, "And if you are Christ's, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise." It says in Galatians chapter 3 then that they which be of faith are the children of Abraham. Okay? So, who is the new covenant church? It's simply Israel pruned of its unbelieving covenant community members and reduced down to just that core of Jews who actually believe. And it has engrafted into it Gentiles who actually believe. And the middle wall of partition has been torn down between the Jew and the Gentile. So that those two now make up one new body, one new covenant community. And that covenant community then goes forward in the blessings of the covenant, and in the functions and in the activities of the covenant. Now, let's turn in our Bibles, please, to Ephesians chapter 2. The book of Ephesians chapter 2. This is a really, really important chapter in terms of the covenants. <clears throat> what was the door into the Old Covenant community? It was circumcision. Okay? The door into the Old Covenant community was circumcision. And even Gentiles could be brought into the Old Covenant community if they became circumcised and professed faith in Jehovah. We see that with Ruth the Moabitess, right? Now she's a female, so she wouldn't undergo circumcision. But she did undergo a profession of faith when she says, your God will be my God and your people shall be my people. And where you go, I'll go. And where you die, I'll die. And I'm never going to forsake. And so she committed to the terms and she was incorporated in. And um, we see uh, other people being incorporated as well. Um, not many, but there were some. So the door of entrance into the old covenant community was, 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 was circumcision. Okay? Um, it was profession of faith in Jehovah. Well, what is the door of entrance into the new covenant community? The door of entrance into the new covenant community is faith in Jesus Christ. Now, notice Ephesians 2. We're just going to read the whole chapter. I'm going to comment as we go through. He says, And you, speaking to these Gentiles at Ephesus, to whom he's writing, he says, You has he made alive, or quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins. When in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, among whom we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. So that was our condition as unsaved people. We were dead spiritually. We were in bondage to the world. We were in bondage to Satan, and we were in bondage to the flesh. All right? Verse 4, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has resurrected us spiritually, is the idea. Even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us or made us alive together with Christ. On what grounds? By grace you are saved. And has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come you might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. So all of God's grace and all of God's kindness comes to us through a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. And what does Jesus Christ do? He does for us spiritually what he did for Lazarus physically. Lazarus is dead. Jesus imparts life to him, raises him from the dead, and now Jesus is able to have fellowship with him and he with Jesus. And so in the same way we're spiritually dead, Christ through regeneration raises us to spiritual life, And then uh, we're able to be in fellowship with him and ultimately be in heaven with him. Now, verse 8 describes um, how this process works. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that is not of yourselves. Dead people don't generate faith. Faith is, is a gift that God gives to those that he resurrects. You know, when Jesus said to Lazarus, come forth, could he come forth while he was dead? Dead people can't hear Commands much less respond to them. They have no life in them. So you have to give him life first and then he can respond to the command in the same way God gives us spiritual life first. He regenerates us and then we're able to repent and believe. So it's not that our repentance and belief causes us to be born again. It's because we're born again that then we're enabled to repent and believe. Okay. And that's why salvation is of the Lord. I mean, Lazarus could do nothing to save himself from his grave. Uh, Christ had to do it all. And Lazarus just responded to the work of Christ, the prior work. And in the same way, we're dead. He speaks um, regeneration. He calls us, speaks regeneration into our, into our hearts. And then we are able to respond. So by grace are you saved through faith. That faith is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. God didn't resurrect us from the dead because we were such great people. In fact, we were an abomination to him. Verse 10 We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, that which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. So here we have an individual getting saved, all right? Now, what does God do with that saved individual? He brings them into a covenant relationship with a covenant community. Notice verse 11. Wherefore, remember that you being in times past Gentiles in the flesh, who were called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. See, in times past in the old covenant, the Gentiles were outside the covenant community. Why were they outside? They hadn't been circumcised, right? Okay. And so the the Jews looked at the Gentiles and said, they're not in the community. They're not under the blessing of God. They don't have the promises of God. And they didn't. So now God is saving Gentiles. What's he going to do with them? Just leave them out there? No, he's going to bring them into the covenant community. Notice verse 11. Wherefore, remember that you being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. That at that time you were without Messiah. You were without Christ. You were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. That is from the covenant community of Israel. You were strangers from the covenants of promise. All the promises of the covenants didn't apply to them. That is the Abrahamic covenant, and the old covenant, no application to them. Of course, everybody's in the Noahic Covenant, right? Everybody. 100% of the humans on the face of the earth. But they were strangers from the covenants of promise. And that's speaking of the Abrahamic Covenant and uh, and the uh, uh, Old Covenant. Having no hope. You know, if you're outside the covenant community, people, you don't have any hope. You are lost. God is only your judge, and God is only hostile towards you. You have no hope. And without God in the world. If you're not in Israel, people, and you're not in the covenant, not only do you have no hope, you have no God. That is, you're without any saving personal relationship with God. So when people, unsaved people go around, they talk about praying to God, you know, God helps them. No, he doesn't. They're without God. They're deluding themselves that God is with them and God is helping them when they have no faith in Christ and there's no indication whatsoever that they're in the covenant community because God blesses his covenant community people and the rest of the people may receive some measure of his common goodness and his common mercy, but they certainly receive none of the benefits and the blessings of his saving grace. So, verse 13, but now... Notice verse 4, but God. Verse 13, but now. Those are really important phrases to say, okay, we're going to talk about a change here. Something, someone intervened. But now. In Christ Jesus, that is in relationship to Jesus Christ, you Gentiles who sometimes were far off, far away from the covenant community, far away from the blessing and smile of God, far away from salvation, are made near, brought into the community, brought into a relationship with God, how? By the blood of Christ. That is, through His saving work. Verse 14, For He is our peace, that is, He produced our peace, who was made both Jew and Gentile into one. How did He do that? Well, he broke down the middle wall of partition that was between us. What was the middle wall of partition that stood between the Jew and the Gentile? It was the Old Covenant. The Old Covenant said to the Jew, you don't have anything to do with those Gentiles. Okay? And of course, the Old Covenant made the Jews so weird that the Gentiles didn't want anything to do with them. And that was the whole idea, is that they would be a peculiar people. And that peculiarity revolved around all of the dietary codes, all of the social codes, all of the religious codes, all the ceremonial codes of the Old Covenant. And the whole idea of that is to keep them distinct and separate from the Gentiles. Well, what happened? Verse 14. He has broken down the middle wall of partition between us. And now he says what it is. Having abolished in his flesh, that is by his death, coming in death, the enmity, even, here it is, the law of commandments contained in ordinances. What is the law of commandments contained in ordinances? answer is the old covenant. He abolished it. And all those prohibitions against mixing with Gentiles and eating with Gentiles. And you remember the the accusations that were lodged against the Lord Jesus. Well, he goes in and eats with publicans and sinners. And, you know, he's not holy and separate like we are. So, verse 15, Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in the ordinances, that is, of the old covenant, for to make in himself... That is, by virtue of union with Christ, of two, Jew and Gentile, one new community, one new man. So making peace. That's why Jew and Gentiles can get along now in in a church. That's why blacks and whites can get along. That's why the rich and poor can get along. That's why men and women can get along. Is because the union that we have that creates our unity is our personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, there's a lot of differences between us sitting here in this room. But one thing we all have in common is that we all have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And that gives us a greater commonality than our differences give us difference among ourselves. We have far more in common than we have in difference because we have Christ. So, that's why we can be at peace with each other even though there's diversity and difference. You can have blacks and whites, and you can have uh, Jews and Gentiles, and you can have men and women, you can have old and young, you can have rich and poor, all in the same congregation. And there's this wonderful harmony and unity and peace between them because of that which they have in common, which is the Lord Jesus. Okay, So having made peace, verse 15, and not only do we have this horizontal peace in the covenant community between uh, Jew and Gentile, verse 16, but also have vertical piece, verse 16. And that he might reconcile both, that is Jew and Gentile, unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. So no longer is there now any enmity between Jew and Gentile. There's not any enmity between believers and God. It's gone. Jesus Christ slew the enmity that was between us and God. Because a carnal mind is enmity against God. It's not subject to the law of God, neither he can be. And God, he's at enmity with all those who are rebellious. And so there's a war going on, and that's why reconciliation is such a precious doctrine. Because what does reconciliation do that Christ brought? It removes the enmity, and it restores us back to a position of peace and harmony. Not only between Jew and Gentile, but between humans and God. So, verse 17 And came, Jesus came and preached peace to you who were afar off, that's the Gentiles, and to those who were near, that's the Jews. The Jews were near, in terms of their covenant community relationship, the Gentiles were far off. For through him, that is, verse 18, for through Jesus, we both have access to God... By one spirit under the Father. We both have access by one spirit under the Father. So you have the spirit in you. I have the spirit in me. Christ has provided reconciliation. And by that means we all have access to God. Now therefore, verse 19, here's the conclusion. You are no more strangers and foreigners. You're not outside the covenant community anymore. You're in. Notice back in verse 11. Wherefore, in times past, remember that, that you being Gentiles in the flesh were called uncircumcision by that which is called uh, the circumcision made by hands. At that time you were, verse 12, without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth. And you're strangers, aliens and strangers, right? Verse 12. Now notice verse 19. Now, therefore, you are no more strangers and aliens, a foreigners and alien, right? So verse 19 is, is the remedy for verse 12 and the condition we were in. Now, therefore, you're no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. So you're in the community, you're in the household and you're in the building and built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In whom you also are builded together, Jew and Gentile, for a habitation of God through the spirit. So we become fellow citizens We become fellow members of the household and we become fellow members of the temple. See the three metaphors there? No longer strangers and foreigners, but now fellow citizens with the saints. We're in the nation of the household of God. We're in God's home and we are uh, building a temple, a habitation of God. Verse 21 and 22 uh, in which he dwells. So, you go from somebody who is dead in trespasses and sins. God individually saves them. And what does He do with these individually saved people? He brings them into His covenant community. And what is the visible expression of that covenant community on the face of this earth? The answer is, it's the local church. Now, imagine a Jew who says, you know, I'm a Jew... And I have a relationship with Jehovah, but I don't need to go into Israel and I don't need to go to the temple, animal sacrifices, I don't need to do that stuff. I just, you know, just me and Jehovah and and my Old Testament. And uh, on the Sabbath day, you know, I, I go out in the woods because that's where I feel close to God. a Jew who is acting like that (laughs) would be put to death. You don't forsake the temple, the covenant community, the place where the people of God meet and still claim to be a Jew. And yet myriads of Christians claim to be Christians and yet have nothing to do with the covenant community of Christians have nothing to do with the covenant meeting of Christians, have nothing to do with the inauguration of the or, uh, of of the of the uh, uh initiatory rite into that community which is baptism and they don't share in the covenantal meal which is the Lord's supper. And you claim to have a relationship with Jehovah while keeping yourself completely outside the covenant community? And that's why the Bible says You can't be a Christian and be outside the church any more than you could be a Jew and be outside of Israel. And that's why people, church is so important. It's not a matter of saying, well, I can be a Christian and never go to church. You never go to church. You're not a Christian. There is a doctrine which says Outside the church, no salvation. Now, the Catholics have taken that and perverted it. And they have said, if you're outside the Catholic church, you can't be saved. What we're saying is if you're outside the visible representation and manifestation of the covenant community of the people of God, and you maintain that willfully and knowingly when there is an opportunity to be in it, then you are despising the very thing Christ died for, loves, is building, and is indwelling. That's how important it is to be in the covenant community. To be in the covenant community is to be in covenant with Christ. And if you're in covenant with Christ, you're going to seek out His community and love it. And if you despise His community and as people, and have an attitude of indifference towards them and meeting with them, then that's really your attitude towards Christ. Because Christ and the community come together. You have to have both if you're going to have either. So that's why we don't forsake the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is, and so much the more as we see the day approaching. Well, who are the recipients of the New Covenant blessings? The recipients are believers and their spiritual children we're going to talk about the spiritual children of believers next time but um, what you can see is that when god saves someone he saves them individually but he never saves them individualistically as soon as he saves them he brings them into community he brings them into his universal body he brings them into his universal family He brings him into his universal kingdom. And the visible expression of that universal family, kingdom, and body is the local kingdom, family, body, which is the church. So if you're saved, you're going to be in church. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your holy word. Thank you for the blessing it is to us. And thank you for the covenant community you've created for us. Father, you've never left your people out there all by themselves. And Lord, how we need one another, how we need the protection, the provision, and the blessing of the community. And now, Lord, be pleased to bless our covenant community. And Father, may we in this church fulfill all that you intended the new covenant community to manifest by way of faithfulness to the covenant and the carrying out of the mandates of the covenant. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. So the when the middle wall of partition was broken down and there was the abolishment of the ordinances contained in the commandments, that's why we don't do the old covenant dietary stuff and the old covenant feasts and the fast days and and the clothing and all those requirements because That would be to separate us from those that we're trying to reach. So the whole idea of of Messianic Judaism is completely contrary to the teaching of covenantal progression that's contained in the scriptures. Okay, you're dismissed.